Well, good morning to all of you. Man, we have already been in worship this morning. Amen. That, that, that song was powerful this morning. Never going to let us go. Praise be to God. God never lets us go. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to welcome all of you to worship again this morning. For those I've yet to meet, my name's Andy. I serve as one of the pastors here. I want to welcome those that may be returning, those that are joining for the first time, whether they're online or in person. We're so glad that you're here this morning. Welcome to the way. And uh, I just want to give a shout out this morning. I want to give a shout out to all of those that were able to join in the, our first annual Surf Summit yesterday. We had an amazing day together, a powerful day. Some great eating went on yesterday uh, as we declared that we don't just talk the talk, but we walk the walk as we reclaimed our why. And there's a video clip that we shared yesterday at Michael Jr., uh, puts out he's a comedian and and it's if you want to see it if you weren't there yesterday I'll be glad to send you the clip but he, he talks about our why and he says when you know your why your what has greater impact as you walk in and toward your purpose when you know your why your what has greater impact as you walk in and toward your purpose and, and, and we were reclaiming the the why we exist as a church why do we exist as a body of faith Well, we exist unapologetically to glorify God and make disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. And and we do that uniquely here through the way by sharing the hope filled life in Christ with others so that they may know and discover so we may all discover our purpose and live into our God given purpose. We, we, We distill that down and we declare that every week as a body of believers here. And I want us to do it again today. We are a community committed to sharing in hope, living with purpose. For the sake of others. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I got a confession this morning, and, and I think y'all are gonna, the longs are going to agree with this, that I, I didn't realize how challenging it was to be a parent until I became one. I get an amen up here? Get an amen from any of y'all or parents or grandparents out there or the crazy aunt or uncle that's helping raise someone? Yeah, he over here like, oh no, where's this going? Yeah, you know, uh, but I have, I have two amazing daughters that I love deeply and I will defend fiercely and and as little kids part of that was making sure that they got fed their diaper got changed they didn't run into the corner of the kitchen table and y'all had that happen you know what i'm talking about right you know or they didn't fall off and hurt themselves on the swings on the playground that that was it but you know here's the thing praise be to god our kids have outgrown that stage i don't have to change their diapers that day will come i promise that day will come And, and 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 they can feed themselves they can dress themselves and I thought, you know, as they got older, that parenting would get a little easier. But I got news for you. <laughs> no, you're shaking your head like, no way. You know, those even with grown kids, what you realize is that the challenges they face only become more compounding and challenging, emotionally, mentally, physically speaking. Uh, something that just kind of, you know, hit me across the head a couple weeks ago was uh, our oldest daughter, Alexis, who's actually being commissioned right now. She's going on a mission trip in a couple weeks. So she's being commissioned right now. Um, she came home, and, and in this group uh, at lunch, one of the, the people that came up to her in lunch came up to her and emphatically was pressuring her to say the F word, that four-letter word, you know, the F word. And, and, and it reminded me that some things don't change because as a middle schooler, I remember being on the lunch, in the lunchroom and a group of my peers coming to me and making me or encouraging me to say the S word. You know, the S-H-I-T word, you know. And, and, and I realized in that moment as I was listening to her that she was not like me because my daughter didn't capitulate. She didn't cave like her dad did. She politely turned down the opportunity to cuss in that moment when she was being pressured a couple weeks ago. Praise be to God. 
But then she got to be uh, mocked and ridiculed for her faith. That, oh, you're just one of those crazy Jesus followers. And and it stirred a lot of conversations at our dinner table because Claire was bringing up how a lot of that's happening even in the middle school that she's in. You see, our kids are being bombarded with the world and the ways of the world by their peers. They're being peer pressured into conforming to the norms of this world. And, and if we're honest, we don't outgrow that, do we? Those of us as adults, you know, there's this pressure, this tremendous pressure, both internally and externally. You know, internally, I don't know about you, but I'm a people pleaser. I, I, I realize I like to, I, I want people to like me. Y'all, y'all, y'all want people to like you? You know, you, you have this internal pressure to conform and to kind of go with a crowd a lot of times. And, 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 and that's a challenging thing for us. But you see, I, I think as, as we continue in this series about a Jesus-shaped life, as we talk about how the Holy Spirit invites followers of Jesus to be transformed into the image of Jesus, we've looked at the obedience of Jesus. We've looked at the love of Jesus. This week, I want us to look at the courage of Jesus. Because, you know, I, I think that all too often we capitulate to what is comfortable, but Jesus doesn't call us to a life of comfort. He calls us to a life of courage. And that's what we see him living, right? It's a courageous life. And, and it doesn't begin with what we do. You know, a lot of times we wear that bracelet, what would Jesus do, WWJD? It doesn't ha- start with our actions. It starts with our thoughts. We ought to oftentimes maybe change out that bracelet for WWJT. What would Jesus think? Because you see, our thoughts inform our beliefs. And our beliefs inform our actions. And, and so to have a Jesus-shaped life means to have a Jesus-shaped mind. Paul talked about this a lot. There's a beautiful passage in Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 11. I encourage you to read it. We're not going to read it this morning. But in it, he talks about having the mindset of Jesus. Having the mindset of Jesus. And he talks about the humil- humiliation, not the humility, but the humility of Jesus. Taking on that of a servant and even laying down his life. And, and, and I want us to, to reflect on what does it mean to have a mindset of Jesus? What does it mean t- to have a Jesus-shaped life and have a Jesus-shaped mind today? And Paul speaks about that in a lot of his other letters, too. And so turn with me to a couple passages this morning as we start that he speaks to this. And the first is to the church in Corinth. And he has this to say, beginning in, in chapter 10, verse 2. He says, I beg you. That when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And then in perhaps my favorite book, Romans, uh, our our men's group, we we started back last summer. We're still rolling through Romans. Um, We're a little slow. Um, But chapter 12 opens this way. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then he goes on to say this. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me this morning? Oh, my Father, I just uh, thank you once again, man, to be able to sing praises to you this morning. To be able to come before you in the presence of others seeking after you. Lord, there's so much that is on our hearts and minds today. Across the world, in our community, in our schools, in our homes, in our church. God, I pray in these moments we would be able to meditate upon your word. And allow your word to get into us and inform those situations in our life. So come, Holy Spirit, come. Have your way with us today. Open our hearts and minds to receiving you anew today. To hear what you would have for us to hear. So may the meditations of our minds and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things that I really appreciate about the Bible is that it doesn't sugarcoat things. It doesn't sugarcoat circumstances. What we find is real people with real challenges. You think about Joseph being uh, thrown in a well and then sold into slavery and all the things that happened to Joseph in Genesis, right? You think about Ruth and her journey. You, You think about Esther. You think about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, right? Thrown in the furnace. These are real people with real challenges. And, and, and I love the way that Scripture doesn't sugarcoat that. This, these are not superheroes. These aren't people with superpowers. The supernatural work of God is woven throughout, thanks be to God, in Scripture. But we don't see that. We see real people with real challenges that face real temptations, just like you and I do, to conform to the, the ways in their days, just like we are in ours. And even Jesus, we we declared this today, he's fully divine, but he's also fully what? Human. And in his humanness, Jesus faced temptations just like we did, didn't he? You you know, we don't know what his childhood was like. We don't know what it was like for him on the playground, right? We don't know who kissed his boo-boos. Maybe Mary and Joseph kissed his boo-boos. We don't know if he got ganged up on or bullied on the playground. But he certainly got ganged up and bullied on later in life. There were temptations all around him to conform to the norms in his day. Let me just give you three vignettes of his life. If you remember, right after he's been baptized, right? God has spoken, this is my father. God the father says, this is my son who I'm well pleased with. And Jesus immediately gets whisked off into the wilderness. And he's tempted there, isn't he? To conform to the norms of the world. Satan is tempting him. I mean, in that place of hunger. Any of y'all hungry this morning? I got a cookie, thanks be God, from Christy, so I'm not quite as hungry. But, but, you know, he was tempted to turn a rock into bread. He was tempted to conform and, and to give in to the desires of the flesh right there from the get-go in his ministry. And then the power players of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, even the religious elite sought to, for him to conform to their understanding of the law. You think about, like, the Sabbath and his Sabbath-breaking with his disciples. I mean, this was, this was Jesus challenging them when they were challenging him to conform to their understandings and even his closest friends his followers his disciples 
sought to pressure him into being the Messiah that they thought he was, that they wanted him to be, that they desired him to be. Do you remember that one time where he's talking to the disciples about his pending death? And Peter's like, no way, that ain't going to happen to you. We're not going to let it happen. And Jesus responds this way in Matthew's gospel. He says, get behind me, Satan. How'd you like to be called that by your friend? You are a stumbling block to me. And then this, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You see, in each and every case, what we find is that Jesus chooses a choice. He makes a choice to live into courage rather than comfort. I mean, it's as if Jesus didn't get that early rendition of Dale Carnegie's book, you know, How to Win Friends and Influence People, right? Any of y'all read that book? I have. Look where it got Jesus. It came with a great cost to choose a life of courage. It led him to the cross where he would be betrayed, even by his followers, falsely accused, beaten, nailed to a cross. You see, Jesus truly chose to live a life of courage rather than a life of comfort. And and the reality is, is that not only did he choose that, but he calls you and me. He calls those of us who profess faith in Jesus Christ to do likewise, to live a life of courage in the place of the temptation to live a comfortable life. What is it that he told his disciples after they had, had basically recognized who he was? You know, he's asking them, you know, what does the crowd say I am? Who do you say I am? And, and, and Peter boldly, brashly says, well, you're the Messiah. He immediately says this. We find this in Luke's gospel. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You remember if you were here last week, we talked about the cross. When we're talking about taking up the cross, we're not talking about taking up a pretty piece of jewelry to put around our neck. No, this was an instrument that, that denied people life. He's saying you're supposed to deny yourself. Thanks be to God in this part of the world, we don't face the risk of losing our life for our faith, our physical life. But there are thousands upon thousands this very moment, this morning, that are risking that in order to worship God. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about denying those desires, those inward, innately, fleshly desires that we've talked about over the last few weeks. Even the desire to take the comfortable route, to take the road of least resistance, to to, to go down the road of conforming to the norms, to fitting in, that we are so tempted to do. You see, it truly takes courage to live like Jesus did, doesn't it? And the courage to live differently begins with thinking differently. Let me say that again. The the courage to live differently begins with thinking differently. Just like I said with that bracelet, it's not beginning with what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus think? You see, to, to live like Jesus means that we have to draw our thoughts into obedience with that of Christ. And I don't know about you, but thoughts, my thoughts are hard to control. Any of y'all get stuck in your head? I had the cranberry song Zombie playing in my head yesterday morning. It's in your head, it's in your head, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Some of y'all do. You know, we get stuck in our heads sometimes. 
And, and that gerbil in my head begins spinning in the ball, and I get stuck in my thoughts. But you see, sometimes those thoughts are not of God, are they? And, and those thoughts that are hard to control sometimes lead to mindsets that are challenging for us. It's not easy to change our thinking, is it? Because inherently behind that is ingrained habits that we have formed through our thoughts. And some of those habits are not of God. They're what we call strongholds. That's what the scriptures call strongholds. That's what Paul is writing about as he writes to the church in Corinth that we read earlier. You remember what he said? He's saying, when I come to you, It says, may I not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds. So what exactly are strongholds? Well, strongholds are lies that we believe. It's any mindset, it's any value, it's any teaching, it's any philosophy that is contrary to the truth of God. Those strongholds that set up in our mind that impede us from being able to hear God's worth, God's truth, our worthiness that God wants to share with us. Think about a military stronghold. What do you think of? You think of like a bunker. You think of this like fortress, right? This, this impervious wall, if you will. Well, well, the lies that we begin to believe, the lies that people project onto us, well, they begin to form a stronghold. They begin to form a stronghold in our mind that, that makes it difficult for us to receive what God wants to share with us and to us and through us as to his truth of who we are, whose we are. And the great worth we have in his eyes. Let me give you a couple examples of some strongholds maybe that, that, that you know of or, or, you've, or you've taken to heart or maybe some others have, have shared with you. Any of y'all taken this stronghold to heart? God really doesn't love me as he loves fill in the blank. It's a lie. That's a lie. How many of you bought into the lie that if I'm to be a follower of Jesus, my life's to be miserable for the rest of my life? Non-believers will tell you that. That's a lie. How many of you bought into the stronghold that God doesn't hear you when you pray to God? That's a lie. That's a lie. There's other lies that we've allowed to become strongholds in our minds, aren't there? It's the lies that others have told about us. Lies like what my dad was told when he was in third grade that he would never amount to anything. Any of y'all bought into that stronghold or been told that? Any of you ever been told that you're unworthy or untrustworthy, unbelievable, if you will, unlovable? Any of you bought into the, the lie, that the stronghold in your mind that there's no way that you could forgive yourself for something that you've done or said? These are all strongholds. These are all lies that, that, that we internalize in our minds and they become a blockade to the truth that God wants to speak into your life. I found myself last night right before bed. You asked my wife, she was here at the earlier service, and, and I was just sharing her that I was starting to question and doubt my leadership, my ability. 
it was a lie, but it was grabbing a stronghold in my mind and calling me to doubt who I am and whose I am. Any of y'all ever been there? I, we, I sat with a friend recently who was sharing that they felt like there was no way that they could experience hope or trust or self-worth or self-confidence, that those things were far from them because they had been deeply wounded as a young kid, deeply, profoundly wounded. And to set up a defense in order to survive past the trauma of what they experienced, they built up these things and the lies that people began to project toward them have left them with this stronghold, thinking that they could not be any of those things. There was no hope for them. There was no promise of a bright future. If that's you today, hear me today. There is good news for all of us today. Stay with me as we continue to meditate this morning. But before we get there, let me address one other stronghold that takes root in us. The stronghold of those lies that lie below and beneath and behind the sins that we commit. You see, it's those untrue or those half-truths that we use to justify our actions oftentimes, right? It's what Satan sought to do from the very beginning. What did he do with Adam and Eve? God didn't really say that, did he? And he sowed doubt in their minds. And from that, they then enacted out in a way that broke their relationship, not only with God, but with one another, began to finger point with one another. I love the way that one of the patristic fathers, the, the church fathers in the, in the second century, Irenaeus, and if you've ever read anything from him, it's deep. It's great stuff. He lived between the 100 and 200 A.D. And he, and he wrote this. It says, The devil, however, as he is the apostate angel, can only go to this length, as he did at the beginning, to deceive and lead astray the mind of man, into disobeying the commandments of God and gradually darken the hearts. You see, that's what the deceiver wants to do, right? He wants to, to, to deceive, to lead astray our minds, therefore what we believe, therefore how we act, and ultimately lead to a place where we have hardened hearts. But thanks be to God. But God, right? Jesus came proclaiming, I am the way the truth, and the life. He came to say that I have come to set you free. The truth sets us free and allows us to begin to live into a mental health and a spiritual freedom that we so desperately desire in our minds. And in order to do that, we have to seek to have those strongholds demolished, those things have set up in our mind, trained of thought that we have. Which leads me to ask a question this morning. What strongholds in your mind need to be dismantled? What stronghold in my mind? What stronghold in our mind collectively as a body of faith? What strongholds do we need to have dismantled today, here and now, in our hearts and our minds? What strongholds does Satan have on you that are keeping you from the fullness of the joy that life that God has for you? You see, Paul speaks to how we begin to live into those strongholds being dismantled. Verse 5 of what we read is where we find that, where we, we destroy these strongholds by exchanging the lie for the truth that God has for us. Let me read it again for us. Verse 5, we demolish arguments 
and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We come against every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What is it that Jesus said when he he promised to send us the advocate, the, the spirit of what? Truth that will guide us in all truth. Well, let me tell you how you begin to deal with those strongholds, those lies, the lies that I deal with in my mind. I get trapped in my head. Maybe you're trapped there this morning, too. Uh, I encourage a friend to do the same thing. Start by writing down those lies, those strongholds that you've bought into. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I can never be forgiven. I'm not a good leader. Uh, Whatever it is, whatever those are. And then invite the presence of the Holy Spirit into your life to speak truth over those. Allow the Holy Spirit to then lead you to strike through those things that are untrue that are not of God, that somehow because someone's projected that onto you or you somehow have begun to believe that in yourself and internalize that has become a stronghold in keeping you from the love and the grace and the mercy and the reality of who you are in the eyes of God. Allow the work of the Holy Spirit to be there. I love what this friend that was sharing with me recently wrote and sent back, sent this in a text some of the things that they are needing to strike off their list, their personal list. Things like self-criticism, invalidation, self-blame, unworthiness, numbness. Those are all lies that they have bought into, they have internalized, that are strongholds. Keeping them from the fullness of God's love for them and the hug that he wants to give them. The same can be true for you too. If you allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak truth and exchange the lies for the truth of God in your life. You see, the truth of the matter is our thoughts can get the better of us, right? I'm not the only one that's in your head, in your head, right? I'm not the only one, right? I'm not the only one. We can get trapped in our head and our thoughts can run wild, but rather than allow them to run wild, we're to make them obedient to Christ. Because after all, a Jesus-shaped life requires a Jesus-shaped mind. A Jesus-shaped life requires a Jesus-shaped mind. Which leads me to a second point. After we've addressed and acknowledged that there are strongholds that have that set up, almost like barnacles on the brain, if you will, that the Holy Spirit needs to remove from us so that we can receive the truth of God. There's something else that we have to begin to do or better yet stop doing. And that is to stop following the crowd and start following God's truth. We have to stop following the crowd and start following the truth. You see, the courage to live differently begins with thinking differently. You might need to write that one down. The courage to live differently requires us to think differently. You know, so often we buy into groupthink, right? Everyone knows this. That must be the truth. Everyone knows this. Let me, let me prove it to you. You know, everyone knows that George Washington had wooden teeth, right? Would y'all agree with that statement, right? False. 
He had gold teeth. He had ivory teeth. He even had his slaves' teeth. He didn't have wooden teeth. Let me give you another one that everyone knows, right? Everyone, any of y'all like sunflowers? I know my daughter loves sunflowers, right? Everyone knows that sunflowers rotate as the sun moves across the sky, right? I'm a horticulturist. I thought that true. It's not true. Mature sunflowers set permanently facing east. I didn't know that. Did you know that? And how many of y'all have ever used the phrase blind as a bat? I take these off and I am. Uh, y'all look really fuzzy. Kind of look good. You know, you know we, everyone knows that bats are blind, right? They're not. They have eyes. They can see. In fact, their nocturnal vision is immaculate in some species. You see, there's a lot of things that everyone knows to be true, right? That is blatantly false. And, and there's a lot of things about God and how we are to live that everyone thinks is true, but is not true. You see, we have to begin to replace those false things with Christ's truth. We have to begin to take captive every thought on a whole host of things. Because you remember I said those thoughts is what informs our beliefs, and our beliefs then inform our actions. And Steve Cordell touches on that this week. If any of y'all are reading our devotional, it's fantastic. It's been rich. It's been convicting. He writes this on day 22, which is part of this week's conversation. It says, for example, God calls us to live with a different sexual ethic than the rest of society does. We're to handle power in a Christ-like way, which is not the norm. We will use our time and our money differently. We may treat immigrants or the unborn more respectfully than others do. We are to love more freely and to forgive more quickly. All of those things come not from our actions, but originate in our thoughts that inform our beliefs and how we are to live. You see, we begin to live differently when we begin to think differently. When we no longer allow ourselves to conform to the patterns of this world, as Paul writes, but rather be transformed by the renewing of what? Our minds. Our minds. And that begins by taking every thought captive. And it requires us to get to know God's truth in order to live into God's truth. Which leads me to ask a a last question, and that's this, is, is how much time are you and I spending getting into God's Word, getting into a prayer mode with God? Uh, you know, I, I, I felt like I needed to fast from social media during Lent. So I might pop in there on Sunday. Sundays are Resurrection Sundays. I pop in there. About, but I realized that I have spent an inordinate amount of time scrolling in social media. My thumb muscle's really strong on this side from scrolling on that smartphone. Yeah, how many of you had the 24-hour news cycle in the background, if not in the forefront, during your daytime? What is it that you're reading? What are you spending time listening to? And how does it align with God's truth about you and about this world? You see, we've got to get into God's Word, and something happens when God's Word 
gets in, or we get into God's word, it gets into us. You see, when we get into God's word, God's word gets into us and it begins to change us. It begins to change the way we see ourselves. It begins to change the way we see one another. It begins to change the way we see our relationship with God. You see, where was it that Jesus turned every time he was tempted to go down the comfortable route and chose the courageous route? He turned to Scripture, didn't he? What was it that he spoke to Satan in the wilderness? But God said, he turned to God's word. What is it that he did in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, you have heard it said, and then he goes and expounds and takes that to a deeper, more fuller understanding of what God's word is. If that's Jesus's go-to, well, where should our go-to be? If it's good enough for Jesus, shouldn't it be good enough for us? Shouldn't it be what informs and transforms the way that we love and we're called to obedience and we're called to a life of courage? I think it is. It's it's why we are so emphatic about one of our core values here being grounded in God's word and guided by God's spirit. It's why we have small groups throughout the week for you to be able to, to do life together with others and get into God's word together. And to learn. It's why we have on our website opportunities for you to, to, to dig into the resources on how to read through Scripture and have reading plans available to you to help guide you and encourage you. You know, we have uh, two groups that meet. Y'all may not know it, but on Monday night, Maxine leads a group, and then Alan leads one on Wednesdays to go a deeper dive in this series on what it means to have a Jesus shaped life. I encourage you to drop in. You can simply drop into one of those. I love the way the other small groups that are going on, ongoing, have helped us do that. And in my highlight, and I think it's one of, I'm, I'm not going to speak for Ann, but she's not over here, so maybe I can. One of my highlights in the week is the time that I get with the bros on Saturday morning and get into God's Word and wrestle with it together over at the coffee shop. And she does the same thing with the ladies on Monday morning. You're always welcome to pop in and get into God's Word. Because when we get into God's word, it begins to get into us. And we begin to have a mindset like that of Christ Jesus. You know, I am so, so proud. And I can say that. I know pride's not a good thing, but I am proud of my daughters. I am proud of who they are. I am proud of who they are becoming. I, I pray for them daily. I love to see as they come home with real issues, difficult issues, that we're able to wrestle with it, with where would Christ have us to think about this. And I pray for them in that. Because I believe that Christ is having a tremendous influence not only on them, but through them to their peers in school. They so easily could succumb to living a life of comfort. My prayer for them is the prayer I have for each and every one of us. That we would choose not to live a life of comfort. But we would choose a life of courage. The life of Christ. Amen? Would you pray with me this morning? And I want to let you know that this prayer rail is going to be open because maybe there's some strongholds that you need to let go of today. Would you pray with me as the praise team prepares to lead us? Almighty God, I thank you. (laughs) 
Now, thank you for your word that sometimes confronts us rather than comforts us. I thank you for your word that tells us it's okay not to conform to the pressures of this world, but the Lord, that you want to do something even grander in our minds and in our hearts, that you want to transform us by the renewing of our minds so that we might have eyes to see, ears to hear, not only how you see us, but how you desire to see one another through the lens of Christ Jesus. Because when we begin to to see and to embrace your truth, we begin to see your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness and your love, our worth, our identity can be found in you and you alone. So God, today I, I pray that perhaps the Holy Spirit's already prompted some Lord, I invite your spirit to move in this space as we continue to worship to to prompt in all of us those strongholds, those lies, like barnacles on the brain that have have built up in us, that, that are impeding us from hearing of your truth and your grace and your mercy. Lord, would you allow your Holy Spirit, we invite your Holy Spirit here to begin to to break down those strongholds. But God, we know that you're a gentle God and you're not an imposing God. We must invite you. So, Lord, I pray that each and every individual here would be open to inviting the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, come. Come amongst us. Break down the strongholds. Build us up in the truth of who we are. Empower us as a body of faith to be bold and courageous in the name of Jesus Christ. To unapologetically go share the love of Christ in our homes in our places of work, in our schools, in this community that so desperately is searching for hope. And we know that hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Help us to continue as we walk toward Easter to allow our life to be shaped by yours, O Jesus. It's in your name, in your precious name that I pray. And the church said, Amen.